Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson and just getting back here from day two of week two of OTAs. So we are officially past the halfway point. We got five of the nine in the books. I uh, listen to Dale Lolly and myself every day from 11 to 1. It's been fun, great environment, great weather. A lot of upbeat dudes working hard, but also enjoying themselves and some camaraderie. It's been a good experience. So that's all I'm here to talk about today, though. I, as I often do, I'm going to kind of summarize my article. I was given a day or two to be live on the site, and it's been up now for more than 24 hours. And I just want to talk through it with you guys. And it's about Steelers pass rush. And I think many of us just assume great Steelers pass rush. It's phenomenal. You know, not a problem. I have some discouraging news that shocked me. And first of all, here's my process. I do this every year. And it's not just a Steeler-related thing, but I go to Pro Football Reference, and they have their defensive stats, and they have these advanced defensive stats, if you scroll down a little bit. And they'll tell you blitz rate. They'll tell you um, sacks, of course. That's not hard to find. They'll tell you pressure rate. They'll tell you how many times you knock the quarterback down per pass rush attempt. Things of that nature. Pressures, hurries, all these different things. So I always build this spreadsheet just to see who truly are getting the most bang for their buck. And what I mean by that is if you're blitz heavy, I expect your numbers to be better. You know, if you're bringing five, six all the time, you should have better pass rush production than if you're not, you know, if you're a low blitz percentage team. And we'll get to the Steelers results here in a minute, but started the article by 2021, 55 sacks, leads the league. 2020, 56 sacks, leads the league. 54 sacks in 2019, leads the league. 2018, ties with the Chiefs for 52, leads the league. 2017, 56 sacks, leads the league. So think about that. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, to have that kind of streak of being the best sack team in the league is remarkable. I mean, it just truly is. And last year, only 40 sacks. I mean, we were just between 52 and 56. And remember, most of those were only on 16-game seasons, where this past year was 17, as were the last two, but only 40 sacks this past year. Only 15 defenses had fewer sacks than the Steelers. So they were right in the middle in terms of sacks. Okay. Well, Williamson TJ was out. Watt was out. I know that. I, I get that. And he. this is how much you got out of TJ Watt. He played 66 snaps in week one. But he did not return to the field until week 10 during his injury. Remember, that was against New Orleans. He played 37 plays in that game. And frankly, for a while there, and maybe even the rest of the year, he wasn't quite himself. I mean, to to be kind. You know, he was out there gutting it out. But he wasn't as dominant as he was in, in his best. We know how good he can be. So when it was all said and done, he played just over 500 snaps last year. And about 300 of them were pass rush opportunities. You know, so he rushed the passer just under 300 times out of about 500 snaps. Now, that probably doesn't mean much to you. But TJ, to his credit, this isn't a bad thing, is never a super high snap count guy. I mean, he'll play a handful of plays, take two off, come back in, get a breather, stays fresh. He's very liberal about doing that. I'm sure him and the coaching staff have a great arrangement. So, and he has missed time for, you know, we know he's had an injury history. So in the, the, the years before last year, from 2017 to 2021, 
he averaged just over 840 snaps played per year. And about 430 of those, on average, were pass rush opportunities. And of course, he's going to be out there on third and nine and those type of things too. But he's an every down player, as you know. And that includes his rookie season, 2017, where he only played 750 snaps and rushed the quarterback just under 300 times. So he also <laughs> led the league in sacks last year, or in 2021 and 2020. 37 and a half sacks over those two years, including Defensive Player of the Year in 2021, as you remember. But you might not realize 37 and a half sacks over a two year stretch. Crazy. And again, he's only averaging about 750 snaps per year, or I'm sorry, about 840 snaps per year. And that rookie season was less. He was a rookie. So as I stated in my article, he's a superstar. He's a massive game changer. He's one of the best defensive players, one of the best players in the entire league. And any metric, how any deep you want to go, look at yards per play, pass rush, anything you want. Obviously, they're drastically different when he's out there versus not. I think all of us know that. I mean, that's why he's getting paid what he is and why he's a dynamic player and he's a game changer. I mean, that's why you pay those type of players. So he only chipped in on five and a half sacks last year, though. As you realize, Alex Highsmith, you know, really emerged. He had 14 and a half sacks. And I will say some of those were benefited by Watt being on the other side. Some of them were Highsmith playing really well while Watt was out. And in fact, some protections would even roll his way a little bit at times. Some of them were when, this is kind of mean to say, but when Watt was back, there were teams that didn't respect him because they watched the tape and said, this guy is not the same as he used to be. And Highsmith was pretty consistent throughout the year. Cam Hayward, speaking of consistent, 10 and a half sacks and was as great as ever. Um, but no one on the Steeler defense had more than two. You know, so Highsmith had 14 and a half, Cam had 10 and a half, TJ had five and a half, but no one else had more than two. So let's take that quick break we always do and come back and kind of address some of the things I teased earlier. So that trio of Watt, Hayward, and Highsmith is a really good one. It's a really good one. I don't think it's the best in the league, and it's not as uncommon as you think. You know, I tell you this all the time, that the defensive linemen in the league right now are great white sharks, velociraptors. It's a crazy amount of talent at that position right now. So where I'm going with this is most teams – are really good up front or have some studs. So what the Steelers have is really good, but it's not the best trio in the league. It's a really good front, but it's probably not the best front in the league. And to put this in perspective, the Eagles, they ended up with 70 sacks last year. And I wanted to say this earlier in the program, in the podcast too, the Steelers led the league in sacks those five years. And that was the Doc Hodges year. That was end of Ben year. And what I'm saying here, which compares to the Eagles this year, is it wasn't like they were winning by 30 at the end of the game and everyone on the planet knew you were going to pass. Like, go watch Steelers-Eagles and how the second half went, you know. 
So the Eagles had that huge advantage. The Steelers didn't over that stretch for much of the time. Um, but anyway, the Eagles had 70 sacks last year. Crazy number, 17 games. But they had four defensive players with 11 or more. And that doesn't even include Fletcher Cox, who had seven of his own. And then they had guys like Jordan Davis and you know other studs too. So having great defensive linemen isn't super rare. What the Steelers have is really good, that trio, but it's not super rare. Um, but I mentioned, when you dig deeper in those stats and that spreadsheet I built, it's a little more frightening than that. And I don't know exactly how pro football references a hurry versus I know what a knockdown is. You put a quarterback on their butt. But I think a hurry is basically if you force the quarterback, in their opinion, to move, move quicker than he wants, basically. You know what I mean? And a pressure, I think, is basically you're bearing down on the quarterback. But anyway, I mean, those three metrics in addition to sacks, hurries, pressures, knockdowns, is why I go through all of them to see if there's any outliers. Is there's teams that are getting a lot of sacks, but hardly any pressures? That's probably not sustainable. But anyways, um, let's start with blitz rate, though. And blitz's rate is you, r- you rush five or more. Steelers blitzed 31.5% of the time. That's the sixth highest in the league. Only the Giants, Cardinals, Dolphins, Broncos, and Packers blitzed more. So they were a very blitz-happy team. So you blitzed a lot, and you created an average number of sacks. That's not great. But what's worse is when you look at these advanced metrics – now, I don't think they're gospel, and I don't know who's accumulating them, but they all tell the same story. So, the Steelers created a hurry on 4.5% of their pass rush snaps. Only Atlanta and Washington were worse. Yuck. Steelers knocked the opposing quarterback to the ground on 7.4% of their pass rush snaps. Only seven defenses were worse. The Steelers created a pressure on just 17.4% of their pass rush snaps. Atlanta and Chicago were the only defenses with a lower percentage of pressures. And again, don't forget, the Steelers were a very blitz-happy team. Now, does getting Watt back cure all everything? Maybe. I mean, he's that good. I mean, it sure is massive. There's no question about that. And I think it's safe to say that Highsmith is a good football player and should remain productive. And maybe even the best is yet to come. Who's to say? Tape doesn't show at all that Cam Hayward is slowing down whatsoever, but he's 34. I mean, that day is coming sometime, folks. So where do they get more pressure, more pass rush from? Larry Ogunjobi comes to mind. He's one of those guys that only had two. And I don't know how public knowledge this was, but if you paid attention to the injury report, Ogunjobi rarely practiced on Wednesday. They they tried to get him to game day week after week, and he gutted it out and was playing with injuries pretty much the whole year. But he only ended up with two sacks. They brought him back because they knew what he was dealing with. But he had 25 sacks over the four seasons before becoming a Steeler. And just watching them over the years, I think that's what you should get out of them. You know, four, five, something like that, six, not two. You know, so he's been an average to above average interior pass rusher and only had two last year. So, okay. I love the Keanu Benton pick. I think he's going to be a really good player for this team. 
But to count on him to come in immediately and kickstart your interior pass rush probably is asking a lot for a rookie who is already a little bit better run stuffer than pass rusher. I was calling a developing pass rushers, making great strides there. But he adds to the equation, you know, good. The Marvin Leal to me is a perfect guy to break out's a big word, but take a big step forward. I mean, he showed a lot of potential, especially very late in the year. He's added a little bit of weight. He looks good at OTAs, all those things. I mean, his body looks great. And I don't think they're going to ask him to line up outside in a two-point stance. And they kind of did that because they were in such a bind when Watt got injured. So he can concentrate on one thing, and that's being an interior pass rusher. And I think he will produce a lot more in year two. I don't know what to think of Nick Herbig, to be honest with you. I mean, to ask a rookie that has average traits to come in and kickstart your pass rush probably is crazy talk. Um, He's probably a special teamer, spot starter, spot player, especially now with Marcus Golden in the mix. But they would have killed to have Marcus Golden last year. You know, I mean, he has three seasons with double-digit sacks. I don't think he'll approach that here. But if he can add five more to the equation, something like that, or certainly weather a storm if one of the edge guys is banged up, that's a huge addition. And I think that would really pay off. And again, that's something they really could have used. So let's talk about the blitzing, though. You know, I think they're going to blitz at least as much as they did last year. I mean, teams tell you what they're going to do by their personnel movements here. And you go get Patrick Peterson, Joey Porter, even Corey Trice. They're just adding big, long, physical press man corner after press man corner, where the league all covets press man corners, don't get me wrong. But the league as a whole is playing more too high, more zone, don't allow the big play. Let them nickel and dime you down the field. Steelers aren't. I mean, the Steelers are zagging where the league is zigging in that mold. And a big reason is because they have Minka Fitzpatrick, who, by the way, looked great today at OTAs and doing extra work and very impressive. Um, and why is Minka so important? Because single high safeties are really hard to find. Deep center field, middle of the field dudes, really hard to find. And he's the best in the league. So he allows... He's kind of an eraser. If I'm playing deep middle in a Minka Fitz, with Minka Fitzpatrick, I can allow my corners to come up and press and beat corner uh, receivers up at the line of scrimmage and blitz more. You know, I mean, you don't have two safeties back. You got somebody else closer to the line of scrimmage. Easier to bring an extra pressure. So I think that's, uh, I basically know that's still the plan. And I like it. It's risky. It could burn you. But I think it's, going to be helpful. You know, I, I really do. Um, and they were near the top of the league this past year with their usage of single high safety anyway. And I think that's going to continue. And that's why you pay Mink to the big bucks, just like Watt. So you might not realize this. I mean, everyone just assumes Blitzburg. They've been a Blitz-happy team forever. Dick LeBeau, zone Blitz. And that's not untrue. But 2021, when TJ won Defensive Player of the Year, and they led the league in sacks, go figure, they were – Middle of the league in blitz percentage. That was an anomaly, but it shows that they're not married to it. I mean, they got home repeatedly that season with four, over and over and over, you know, and that was huge. 2020, only only two teams blitzed more than the Steelers. So I do think they want to blitz. They want to put pressure on quarterbacks. They want to make these, they want to hit guys. They want to get the ball out of their hands. They want to bang receivers. It's a physical mentality. It's a tone setting way of looking at it. 
But I think I displayed in this article and in this conversation, the pass rush wasn't good last year. I mean, it really wasn't. I mean, it was below average. I mean, it definitely wasn't good. Now, do I think it was as bad as Atlanta's and Chicago's just watching all the tape of all those teams? No, I don't. And But I do think it's more than just Watt was out and Watt's back, so problem solved. And But I urge you to read the article because it, you know, I summarized it pretty well here, but there is a lot to digest. And man, you would think that if you blitz that much and you still have good players minus Watt, you should be getting to quarterbacks and disrupting them and changing their what you know what they're trying to do with more regularity. Now, how much am I worried about it here at the end of May going into next year? Not a ton. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not talking on both sides of my mouth, but I think they'll get back to being a very good pass rushing team, assuming some level of health, you know, doesn't just destroy you. But I thought this was really interesting that everyone kind of looks at different problems on the team and they don't have any explosive plays and you know, this problem, that problem, but no one says, boy, the pass rush hurt them last year. Well, the pass rush did hurt them last year. All right, over and out. Take care.